0: That's heritageradionetwork.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Today's program was brought to you by Mood Magazine, a new international quarterly publication about music and food. For more information, visit moodmusicfood.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn, if you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more.
2: Good
3: morning. You're listening to In the Drink on heritageradionetwork.org. I'm your host, Joe Campanelli, and, uh, Today we have uh, two people in charge of a very anticipated, very exciting project about to open up here in New York on um, the Bowery, very close to our restaurant, La Picho. It is the Polana Brow House. Um, before I introduce um, uh, the, both the, the brewmaster and also the, uh, the the president and founder of the, of the Polana Brow House, I do want to just have a little uh, programming note. We... Um, if you guys have a free Sunday afternoon, October 27th, we're going to be having our annual charity event uh, for the Epicurean Group. It's called Not My Day Job. Uh, we have over 16 restaurants participating. Uh, Greenhook Gin Smiths is pro- is providing all of the uh, the gin donated, and we have a bunch of people making great cocktails, performances. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, you can go to any of uh, the websites of any of our restaurants, or Not My Day Job. Dot eventbrite.com, I believe. Uh, anyway, uh, so I'm, ex- I'm super excited to, uh, to have uh, the folks from the Polana House here in the house today. I know for a fact this is going to be where I'm going to be going after shift at La Picho. We have uh, both Rudy Tausher who is the president and founder of the Polana House and uh, Andreas Heidenreich, who is the head brewmaster. Uh, gentlemen, welcome to the show.
4: Joe, so great to be here. Thank you.
3: Very, very exciting. Both of you guys have an extraordinary amount of um, uh, of experience, uh, a deep background in in the industry, um, and a uh, a a close um, relationship to the Polana Brewery for a, for a long time, um, or or even just just brewing. In the case of, of Rudy, uh, uh, Rudy, why don't you tell us a little bit about? what how did you come up with this why why did you want to do this i know you worked in hotels you lived in in new york for a long time um running some great hotels opening up as a general manager some some outstanding hotels why do you want to go to uh to to work in a brew house
4: Joe, so th- the reason why i did this was i grew up in a small family brewery in southern germany where i always enjoyed working uh, during the holidays in, in when I was young and um, somehow I didn't go to the brewery, I instead went to the restaurant industry and from there on broke my way up and in 1984 came to the United States and uh, continued my career and uh, I always wanted to go back to my roots and after being 15 years in the corporate world and in the corporate mill decided to eventually let go, opened my own company reached out to paulana in munich we immediately struck a great chord and uh, several years later we have a, a, a wonderful or great uh, location in the bowery and we built a micro brewery together with the help of paulana and andy is our brewmaster and he's here with us since three or four months now
2: yeah three months well,
3: welcome to New York, uh, new, newly minted New Yorker. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh, hopefully we can we can convince you to stay around for uh, for a while. Um, so when you were you were thinking of this idea to start uh, uh, a brew pub here in uh, in New York, uh, there are so many great breweries around the world. Um, I know that you you are you are German, but and even within Germany, there are a ton of great breweries. Why was it Poler that you
4: that you reached out to? Uh, paulana has a great brewing tradition going back 375 years and uh, paulana does have a, a model of brew houses internationally and uh, that enticed me to speak with them and what we're doing here in the bowery is building the first prototype which is ready uh, we're actually looking forward to have some inspect final inspections uh, in this afternoon and hopefully we can start with the brew process in the next couple of days um I thought it was a great opportunity. I've been following the, the beer trends over the last 10, 15 years, and I've always been interested in it. And once I did uh, my MBA program, I actually wrote a, a balance sheet analysis on, on South African breweries. I thought was it was a, was a phenomenal uh, 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 opportunity. The uh, trend or the, the trends which are coming here in the United States are going back to quality high quality mm-hmm. beers and you know i have some favorites here you know, i i i have to acknowledge them it's it's brooklyn and 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 some adams and, uh, and there are others out there who, uh, who who sierra nevada who who just do a fantastic job and all of them came together somewhere in the mid to uh, late 80s and 90s and started and i today they have fantastic operations and I thought there is there's an opportunity to come back with an original beer from Germany and that was pretty much the thought process. Yeah.
3: Now Andy, you've worked with Poliner since you were sixteen, correct? No, eighteen. Eighteen. Oh. Uh, <laughs> off by a few years. Uh eighteen years old and then and you've opened up a few of these brew houses around the world.
2: Yes, I opened seven breweries in Asia, in China, in Taiwan. And yeah, now it's number eight in New York for me. <laughs> so,
3: so you know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, every, when you do this, when you, when you go and open up a, a new brewery, um, is the thought that, all right, maybe this is a place that I can stay for a while, um, or is it that there's going to be a new project coming up on the horizon and I'm going to be moving on to the next one?
2: Um, no, I'm a, I'm a guy, I won't stay. So I stayed five years in Asia, mm-hmm. also in China, and uh, four years in Taiwan, and now I want to stay longer in New york of course
3: <laughs> now uh what do you I know you've only been here a short amount of time, but already you' you know you' you've been through a few openings what what are you seeing are the 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 big differences between the uh the process of opening up a project in asia um and in here in new york
2: where oh, is it easier easy is Asia is not easy and New York, I found out now, is also not easy, <laughs> with all the and everything, but um, it's also a different culture, of course. It's Asian people, we have more workers to open a Palana, to, con- to construction work and everything, and, yeah, goes faster in Asia, actually.
3: Everything moves, yeah. happens more quickly. How
2: about yeah. in terms of, like, the drinking culture in Asia? Oh, the Asian people uh, drink a lot, the China Chinese to drink um, two, always with uh, big glasses, uh, one liter, to so drink two liter, three liter, everything. No problem. <laughs> and, and wow,
3: what a great pairing with a variety of Asian foods to have Polana beer. It seems like that is a, a natural to go with it.
2: No, also in Polana we serve German food yeah. in Asia. Okay. Oh, so you have the brew pubs where you're... Where yes, you're it's the microbrewery in. and uh, German style with sausage, pork knuckles, everything. And, they, and they've embraced this food right away? Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. I
3: love... I, abs- I absolutely love hearing that. So, uh, here in the States, uh, some of those breweries that, that you're talking about are uh, creating new styles of beer um, using all sorts of different ingredients, sometimes exotic ingredients. And uh, um, I know that at the original Polanner brewery, you guys uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, adhere to the German purity law right where it's correct, yeah. it, it's just the water um, the yeast, grain, hoax, yeast and hops, early, yeah. yeah so are you going to be you know adapting to maybe some of the American taste for these kind of off the wall beers or are you going to stick with with uh, the German purity
2: No, it's a German purity law and we make a German style of lager beer, also not so hoppy, and also a, a Munich dark beer and a hefeweizen of course. Okay, and those are the only three beers you're gonna be making? Yeah, we make also seasonal beers like mm-hmm. Oktoberfest beer for the Oktoberfest season, for the holiday season. We make a nice schwarzbier called schwarzbier, it's a very dark color, and also for a spring beer, Salvator, very strong beer with eight percent alcohol, mm-hmm. and Maybe also a summer beer. Okay, so would you
3: say that the breweries around the, around the world in Asia and Germany here have the same the same beers or yes.
2: all right? Also, our standard beers is a beer, dark beer, and hefeweizen. We uh, we produce this in every Palana Bräuhauses around the world and in China, uh, Singapore, everywhere.
3: That's fantastic, and uh, I I like that you're sticking to that that authentic. Purity, and you're trying to make it uh, be as if you were actually in uh, in Munich. Yeah, that that's fantastic. So happy Oktoberfest! Do people wish each other a happy
4: Oktoberfest? By the way, no, no. <laughs> you know we had so many people come to us and say, "Finally, we don't have to go to Munich anymore. Now we can stay in New York, and we'll celebrate with you." That,
3: that's perfect. Yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit about the, the history of Oktoberfest, because even as someone in the industry, I think all, all I really know about it is that it, it happens in Munich. There are certain breweries that are allowed to participate uh, and yours being one of them. Yes. Uh, and, it, and it's a time where people drink a lot of delicious beer out of large drinking
2: vessels. <laughs> yes, of course. Only you get served only with uh, one liter glasses, no half liter, no pints, nothing, only one liter. And so Oktoberfest is the oldest beer festival in the world. So it's over 200 years old. Yeah. And 2010, we celebrate the 200 years anniversary. And it was the best business, we Fest, uh, sold over 7 million liters of beer. In how long? In two weeks, 14 th- days. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it's yeah. fantastic. And these are,
3: these are liters, these are steins of beer, right? These yes, are, uh, one liter. One liter. Bake, and this is a stronger beer than you would normally brew. Yes, it's over between 6 and 7% alcohol. So whose brilliant idea was it to serve uh, a stronger beer in a large vessel?
2: Well, actually, <laughs> it starts 1810. There was a wedding mm-hmm. with the uh, Prince of Bavaria. And it starts with a big party and a horseways. And then it was a, a great feeling for the people in Munich. And then decides we make it every year. And then for 100, around 150 years ago, they said uh, Oktoberfest beer have to be over 13% stammwürze called the sugar content. Mm-hmm. Not under, must be over 13%. So, if, and with the 13% stammwürze, sh- sugar content, you get six between 6 and 7% alcohol. And this is the rule now. And that's, and that's how and the. Also, only the Munich breweries can sell the beer for the Oktoberfest. It's when you're outside, when you have a brewery outside from. Munich is not allowed to serve the beer at the Oktoberfest. At the official Oktoberfest. But yeah.
3: are there other kind of mini
2: Oktoberfests around Germany or is it only the, the main? No, it's only the main, but of course we have other beer festivals, but it's not called Oktoberfest. Okay.
3: Wow. I, this is a, a marketing coup. Like This is a genius yeah. thing to, that people fly from all around the world. Yeah. Uh, but I guess when the product is is so delicious and you can create such a, a fun fun atmosphere, it make it kind of makes a lot of sense. Uh, now, Rudy, your your family has or had a a small brewery
4: since eighteen forty seven. still going strong.
3: So I shouldn't say a small a, a historic brewery <laughs> 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 quite quite a, a long quite old, yeah. And w- what do they think of your uh you know your your new venture?
4: Uh, they were so happy that actually my cousins uh, flew in. Last month, uh, we had a small event getting together and just showing off of what we're doing uh, to come over and to help celebrate, which was a great surprise.
3: That's fantastic. And is the beer imported to the United States, their beer?
4: Uh, w- no, we, we operate on a 10, 15 mile radius. You know, okay. w- we, we consider beer a fresh product. Uh, it shouldn't be really shipped around the world. It should be consumed locally. It's, it's, it's made for you know, the on-premise consumption. And um, I always think that beer is a great beverage because it is made like tea in its preparation and it also has a, a finishing mm-hmm. like, like, like a champagne process. So it has various production methodologies in there, which, which I think make it a gentle beverage.
3: I think, well, if you consider compared to like a, a hard alcohol, certainly it, it takes a, quite a few beers to, to equal the strength of, of something that's a hard liquor, but... Uh, I, I, I'm with you. I love beer every time, uh, you know, at the end of a, a shift at, at work, it's, it's usually a beer I'm going for instead of, uh, a glass of wine. Uh, that being said, we're going to take just a, uh, a short break, but we'll be right back with more on the Polana House, uh, on the Bowery soon to open here in New York City, uh, on In the Drink. We'll be right back.
1: What's Mood? Mood is a quarterly magazine about music and food. For its creators, not many things can beat a good record and a delicious meal. Maybe a well-written story or a gorgeous photo. Well, that's all in Mood. The magazine looks at music and food in a cohesive and unique way, with a keen eye to design and high-quality writing. Its contributors are located around the globe, and the stories span accordingly. Check it out today at moodmusicfood.com. That's moodmusicfood.com.
3: We're back on In The Drink heritage Radio I'm here with andreas heidenreich the the brewmaster of the new palana brew house and rudy tauscher who's the uh, the founder and president of the Polana brew house uh soon to open here on the bowery uh, in downtown new york city guys when is when can we expect the opening i've been eagerly it's it's on my way to work um so i've been i've been seeing the paper in the window on a daily basis
4: we are in the permit and licensing uh, process in the hands of the New York authorities right now. Oh, and good they're, luck. And they're very, <laughs> they're very specific uh, inspections. Uh, this afternoon we have one uh, looking at our boiler installation. And then uh, gas hookup, and then we should be able to uh, start the brewing process. But we cannot open immediately because it takes us between 10 and 15 days to, to, to make the bill. Our beers take longer, Andy. If you want to elaborate. Um.
2: Yeah, um, because it's a microbrewery and mm-hmm. uh, the aging time is with the hefeweizen is the faster beer because it's um, fermented by warmer temperatures, so it's only ten to twelve days. But the lager beer and dark beer go need twenty days around. In twenty days, and those are being aged in stainless steel. Stainless steel tanks mm-hmm. with a capacity of uh, seven. 17,000 liter. So. What happens during
3: that aging time physically to the beer Between, if you were to taste it after it's been brewed when you first put it into the tank and then towards the end? How, how is it evolving in the tank?
2: At first, um, we add the yeast and the yeast uh, converts the sugar to alcohol and CO2 in the tank mm-hmm. and this needs time because what I said before the sugar content around 12% and they have to convert, so need around twenty days need around twenty days yep. for, for for aging cold aging okay yep. but it's really this is really
3: the the second fermentation time that's the so aging
2: time is the second fermentation the main fermentation is around only three to four days
3: okay, so that's pretty it's pretty quick and then have you been able to do a lot of menu testing already, or
2: I've been
4: here in new york and mm. and been in the, U- the U.S. since '84 and, and looked at the various food scenes and developments and uh, w- I think that what is happening in the United States is really exciting. Uh, I started off with in, in Texas, in Dallas, with southwestern food, went to Louisiana, Cajun food and then came up here to the eastern uh, the, northeastern states. In New York uh, I like the development of what we have right now, farm to table. I think this is really Incredible because uh, it's fresh and it's it, it supports the local uh, economy and uh, it, it there's a lot of creativity. So, are you going to be utilizing
3: some of these local farms in
4: the We w- all our food, our food concept is very much designed to to have the food here in the tri-state area, mm-hmm. and uh, w- we say we are uh, globally inspired, but we want to produce locally, and and we believe that because the beer is locally produced, will not sell off-premise everything is going to be in in the restaurant and in the microbrewery well so
3: Uh, tell us a little bit about some of the actual items are you going to have those big kind of pork knuckles and and schnitzels what what, what's going to be on the menu we do
4: have we do have schnitzels but we have also looked at some some fun items we we looked at some traditional things like like cabbage or kraut and we discovered that cabbage is actually available in almost every culture so we'll, you, you'll you'll find eventually you know sausages and you can have some kimchi or texas coleslaw or, or or bavarian kraut salad you know and then you can can marry that with your sausages and then we have more traditional dishes we have a, a great uh, potato soup with uh, spring onions and with radishes in the coriander butter and and, and smoked salmon and there will be one day herring in in, in, in sour cream, very r- traditional dishes, very comfort-like uh, dishes. People just can come there, you know, have a bite to eat, have a great beer. Mm-hmm. and and we want to design it and, and develop it w- where you can come two three times a week without getting tired of the food.
3: Uh, so no so no knuckles, is there <laughs> uh, the,
4: knuck, the knuckles we haven't decided. Not we haven't gone there not yet because we have to see you how the the, the the cooking process is coming on and you know how how strong the kitchen is, but. Potentially, yes. Oh, that's
3: that would be exciting. I've never actually. I don't think I've actually seen that dish in the uh, in the states. It's kind of you have to pick it up with your hands and just sort of go at it.
4: It yeah, it does have its characteristics. So.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's not the most uh, elegant dish, but pretty pretty tasty, especially uh, when it's colder out and uh, um, well that well that's super exciting. How many seats is the restaurant gonna be? How big is
4: it? We can seat up to about two hundred and twenty. Mm. Uh it's fairly large space. Uh we've designed it in two in two parts. One side is with more the the, the 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 communal part where there's the bar and where the 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 fermentation or the the dispensing tanks are and you can just stand there or sit and, and then on the other side there is a restaurant and it has both areas. One one area is uh, designed with, with polished concrete floor and mm-hmm. the other one is with oak floors and uh, great design. We, we, we took a building or we were able to get the building that goes back to the uh, 1880s and uh, it used to be formerly Sammy's Bowery Follies, a very social hotspot in the 1930s, 40s and 50s and uh, I've actually been contacted by some of the people. Uh, I, the other day, I got a call from from a gentleman. He said his his mother actually entertained uh, as a singer at Sammy's Bowery Follies in the fifties. And so there is there wow. is w- w- there's, there's w-
3: history in the spot. There's there's history in the the brewery going back to the sixteen hundreds. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I think that that's all good. You know, it's good juju, as we say. It, it, it has good energy uh, that, that's bringing that along. Um, and now, what have you brought from your time at the uh, running hotels. What have you learned most? Do you think that's been most useful for you in this process of opening a brewpub? Uh,
4: it's it's actually um, quite a different uh, track I'm on now. I used to have a great corporate support. There was always legal, and there was human resource, and there was operations, and now it's all in my own hands. But I'm familiar with the processes, and I can structure it, and I'm putting a team together. Uh, that will help me or to help us to be successful and uh, it's it's just a smaller it's a smaller uh, venue mm-hmm. and it takes a lot of attention to detail but we do have the opportunity that if this go well hopefully uh, that we can duplicate the model we could go into other cities in the United States Yeah,
3: I mean I think that's something that's missing from uh, at least from New York right now is to have a great brew pub there's really not much of that going on um and many cities you know don't have it a few a few cities do right like you can go to maybe boulder colorado and see some really interesting brew pubs there but you don't see it enough
4: here and i wish there was more of that there is a, it's very difficult to hit both directions you have to have an, an excellent beer and you have to have great food and very often the the, the concept struggles because they either have a great beer or they have great food. Bringing the two together is, is, is vital. And uh, we've looked at it, you know, the, the great brew pubs, which go back to to Paris and Strasbourg and Munich 100 years ago, mm-hmm. like the brasseries of what you have. There are still some left over in Munich and in, in Paris. Uh, they become social hotspots, or there is, they're very bohemian. And beer somehow has the ability to cross the social structure. So it's okay... To stand next to the mayor of of a city, and and share a beer, uh, even if you are not you know the, his assistant and you you just you know off the street, and there's no obligation. You just can then move on and say, hey, I saw the mayor. He had a beer, and beer <laughs> somehow you know brings people together.
3: It's, yeah, there's something that there's something that is very convivial about beer. I, I completely agree with that. Uh, um, one of, one of my best friends is a German who, uh, who, uh, works for the BBC America. And, uh, we met because I was his RA and, uh, his name is Franz Strasser. And, uh, he grew up, uh, by, uh, Heidelberg down mm-hmm. in the South. Mm-hmm. And we met because we were on the floor and, and we, we shared a beer and I had this book, Michael Jackson's book of beers and, I knew about half of the American beers and he knew about two thirds of the German beers. And I know any of the German beers and he know any of the American beers. And we, we would go through and try to, to get beers and then look at them in the book and, and research them. And, and now he's one of my very, very best friends. Uh, all, all because of beer, and, and I think about that. Um, anyway, sorry to digress digress for a moment, but Franz, I hope you're listening. Uh, <laughs> if not, I'm sending you this. Uh, I'm sending you this uh, this interview. Um, going back to you, Andreas, can you tell us a little bit about what your uh, brewing brewing cycle is going to be? How many days are you going to be brewing? Um, how much at a time? How, how does that work? And how do you kind of gauge that for the restaurant?
2: Yeah. Um I think we brew four to six times per week. <laughs> this is 6,000 liters per week, and per month we want not sell around 20,000 liter. You're going to sell around 20,000 20, yeah. now, And you can't sell any of that beer off-site, right? No, it's only for the restaurant. It's a microbrewery. And I have to say, this beer is also special because it's unfiltered. So all the vitamins is still in the beer, the yeast is cloudy. So it's actually a special beer.
3: Yeah, you say it's special because it's not done like this in other parts of the world, or
2: no, or uh, just compared to other many b- microbreweries makes this because yes. we have no filters, and that's why. Also in Asia, also some mm-hmm. local microbreweries will do this. Would you say that unfiltered beers are, are more flavorful as well as perhaps more nutritious? Yes. <laughs> so yeah. because also vitamins and minerals are still inside, so it's also healthy. It's also healthy. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah, and well, and it's hydrating, right? Beer is mostly water. Uh yeah, over ninety percent water, yeah. Ninety percent water, vitamins, minerals, nutrients. I mean, I'm gonna have it for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> um well well I I definitely think that uh you could see a correlation with, with wines as well, with that that lack of filtering. At least the the wines that that are gentle with their filtering or or don't do it at all tend to be more expressive to me because yeah. um, you're leaving more of that in it. And I guess you you're, you choose not to filter because it doesn't need to be as stable. Uh, yes, that's why. Right. Yeah. So if you're exporting, it and correct me if I'm wrong, but if you're going to export a beer, you're going to keg it in, export it to the other side of the world, then you do need to filter everything out. Yes, of out. course, yeah. That's okay, right. but then if you're on site and you're consuming it right where it's brewed... Because our
2: beer will be only in the tank maybe
3: two weeks, three weeks, and then already sold. Wow. So what do you envision what do you guys envision as a night at the Polana brew house being like how do how do you envision people to go and and enjoy it are you yeah is it uh people stopping by for for a beer and a little bite a whole dinner uh with friends or people gonna be going for are you gonna do breakfast and brunch with with uh you know with the pretzel and the vice versa and (laughs) all that because i love that
4: we we uh opening first in the evening until we have the strides uh, and understand the characteristic of the operation and then we're going to pull it down to brunch saturday and sunday and then we're going to from there and develop the lunch concept and then potentially bring it up to breakfast yes you can come to us and have a brewmaster breakfast you know scrambled eggs and sausages uh, fresh pretzels uh, and and, and just uh, have that concept uh, developed the way how we envision it is yeah you, you just stop by either in the beginning of the evening, or the middle of the evening, or the end of the evening. Um, we're bringing we're bringing a concept also. It's a curry sausage. Yeah, I'm not really sure if you're familiar I, with verse cur- from Berlin. Yes, Fra- exactly. Franz yes, and I there eat there so
3: much curryvers. There's a, there's yeah, a cult eat out there in your hand, right? <laughs> yes, yeah, you have to hold it in the hand. You have a little fork, and yes. it's like ketchup with curry spices and, and French
4: rice and. and Pommes, pommes, pommes. Yeah. That's yes. yeah. <laughs> so you're on the journey, <laughs> <on the>, so. <laughs> I'm uh, yeah. and pommes, bitte. And what we do and what we have is, uh, w- we also have a New York hot dog. Yeah. So you, you oh, yeah. that's a, le- so that's so, fun. So, yeah. so you can actually choose. You know, do you want to stay in the American spirit or go to more the, the Berlin or the German way? Then.
3: Uh, yeah, and I remember going to Berlin and being blown away by how awesome of a city it was, but just thinking that this is a, a baffling experience to be eating something with the curry spices in Berlin on a bratwurst with French fries. Like, how is this making any sense? But it was, it was one of the most delicious things. but it's especially, it's one of those like, uh, afternoon snack, or you've been out drinking a lot and it's like <laughs> end of the night. Like I need something to, to soak up all
4: the poison. Mm-hmm, that's yeah. And there are real hot spots in, in, in Berlin where People meet one or two or three o'clock in the morning and just have a, yeah. have a curry sausage. Oh,
3: man, that that is great. That brings me back. Um, guys, thank you so much for being on In The Drink. This has been a, a joy. Uh, um, and now I'm even more excited. Uh, you better open up quick because I'm going to be pounding on the door. Um, we'll be
4: looking for you, Joe. Thank you so much for having us.
3: Yeah. And, and guys, when they open up in a few weeks, please do go visit uh, the Polana Brow House uh, down on Bowery, uh, just south of south of Houston. Uh, I, I'm confident this is going to be a great addition to uh, the New York dining scene. So thank you so much for listening. Um, hope to see you at Not My Day Job on October 27th. Uh, I'm Joe Campanelli. This has been In the Drink on heritageradionetwork.org.